good evening. We're off. We're off. Welcome to Lost in the Lockdown, episode five. Um, hello. Hello. This week we're going to be discussing episode nine and ten, Solitary and Raised by Another, respectively. Two very strong episodes, uh, Saeed and Claire, respectively, in the flashbacks. So before we go anywhere, I'll hand over to Scott for some trivia. Cool. Thank you. Okay, so... Yeah, Solitary is the ninth episode. It was directed by a gent called Greg Utanis. I think I'll pronounce that correctly. Greg Utanis. Um, he d- he only directed three episodes overall throughout the season, so not very not one of the prolific um, workers on on the show. Uh, he's worked on quite a, quite a number of shows though, including Lost, uh, Ray Donovan, Banshee. Nip Tuck, Damages, and recently Castle Rock. So he's done some done some of the big guns in terms of TV land. Um, and an interesting fact about this gentleman was that um, we can probably say he is... We could probably give him a co-producer credit on this because he was a original investor in Twitter. Ah. So, Mr. Yantes, or however you pronounce your name. Yeah, Welcome Tannis. to the show. Yes, Yetantes. Yetantes, yeah. Well, we'll we'll just go with Greg because we know where that. Yeah, that just happens. good evening, Greg. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, he was what they called an angel investor. I think that's the word in they use. This is all from Wikipedia, anyway. Um, it must be true. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> Citation definitely not needed. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the writer was uh, David Fury, who we know uh, wrote episode four, Walkabout. One of, I think, mm-hmm. um, obviously one of our favourite ones amongst the bunch. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. So far. Uh, he um, is obviously very prolific in writing and producing, but I also found out via the wonder of Wikipedia that he has an uncredited role, a voice role in Raiders of the Lost Ark. As, really? Yeah, Jock the pilot who who takes India away from the jungle uh, in the intro, uh, the owner of Reggie the pet snake. He was. I was going to say, yeah, uh, he's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't the actor, but he was the voice. So they dubbed David Fury's voice over this guy for some reason. Huh. So. <sighs> I always wonder, just uh, whilst you're mentioning that, like I came, I always go back to like Darth Vader and thinking of David Prowse, thinking I've got the best role ever. I'm the bad guy in Star Wars, and then he got dubbed. <laughs> uh, yeah, because have you heard David Prowse talk? He's yeah. just got the yes. worst voice in the world. <laughs> He's incredibly Welsh, isn't he? Oh, it's so bad. It's yeah, and he doesn't make any effort. It's just David <laughs> Prowse talking. It's Don't get me wrong; he's got the build for it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, ginormous. Like it's like a oh, that that is a very cool fact. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of the, the date of air, November 17th, uh, this was 17.64 million viewers on air date, a big drop, 800,000 approximately from the previous week, which was obviously Confidence Man, um, so quite a significant drop. Um, birthdays, this has got some big guns in here, Scorsese, Martin Scorsese. All uh, hail. Yep, Lord and Saviour. Uh, <laughs> Lord and Saviour. Um, Rock Hudson, uh, Rachel McAdams, oh. and Leslie Bibb as well. So uh, there's quite a few more, but those are just what I wrote down. But yeah, some of the big guns, and also the next episode is some significant birthdays too. Um, Wicked. And one final fact: 
since it's been in the news <laughs> in the last couple of days, uh, a certain film called Justice League was released in the US on this date, November 17th, three years ago. <laughs> Release the Snyder Cut. Yay, boy. <laughs> I thought you'd like Yeah, I'll just get it out of the way. I'm looking forward to it and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to but I'm not. I'm not. So, I'm not so naive that I've spent the last three years on Twitter campaigning for it because I didn't think it would happen. Yeah, I would have realised. <laughs> yeah, you. You probably wouldn't be doing this with me. You'd no, be thinking, would, would nah, he's a nut bar. He's a nut bar." <laughs> I fully. I fully appreciate the limitations of the original, whatever version we did end up with. So, anyway, so thank you for that, Scott. So we'll go on to Solitary, ninth episode of the first season of Lost. I believe. We are on day 12, chronologically within the island. Uh, and Saeed, in the previous episode, in Confidence Man, the last part of that episode was him walking down the beach away because, as we explained in the previous episode, uh, he tortured Saeed, uh, not Saeed, he is Saeed, he tortured Sawyer and um, he feels bad about it. And our views are very clear from the previous episode if you've not listened about what we thought about that but at least it gets him to this point i guess it's a means to an end mm-hmm. however you know shady it may be it gets him to this point so i think we'll start with as always the flashbacks really so just in line with the torture sequence i, I think from memory because i have been watching ahead but I've, I've stopped now just to make sure that i do get my memory clear um, Say it begins with Saeed torturing a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, in the Republican Guards headquarters, I guess. And when he steps outside of said room, he sees a new prisoner whom he recognizes. Yes. Uh, Am I right in saying that? Yes, yes <laughs> you are. It's uh, his. It's a, a friend from from his childhood or her childhood or both of their childhoods. Um, Na- is that Nadia? Yeah, Nadia, yeah. Yeah. yeah or yeah. Noor. It's a pseudonym she's assuming in this period of time. Ah, uh, right. Which okay. she, yeah, but she she reminds Saeed not long after of who she is. And oh, okay, he goes, right, oh right. my God, I've not seen you for years. How are you? Because <laughs> he, he's told to torture her, isn't he, until she answers his questions. He's like, oh, son of a gun, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because she's all, she's all. Yeah, I've been tortured before. I can handle this. Yeah, she's been and nothing he does. Feet. Yes, I mean it's always a touchy subject, torture. And I know we've just mentioned briefly twenty four, and maybe it's kind of lackadaisical approach to it over the course of its run. Um, but I guess the the prevalent thing about Lost is, as we've again also said, this was only three four years after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with someone of Saeed's ethnicity and especially where he originates from, it was always potentially going to be very touchy. But I, I, again, as we've said, I think it's dealt with relatively tastefully and within the confines of the story. It's never gratuitous. No. Uh, no. It's done for a reason and it makes a lot of sense. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, just, Just from sort of a... I guess an audience standpoint, I don't know if, say in 2004, people would have accepted um, a character like Saeed. This is going to sound really bad, but if he wasn't 
the type of character um, that is that is shown in the flashback, and then on the island, you get his his sort of uh, you, you grow to love him. You know, I, maybe that's me being cynical, but it's just it, sometimes it feels like they kind of had to give him this backstory and then and then build him up to be a character that you love. It, it just yeah. feels that way to me. It's it, it's a very obvious way to go, but I don't know if they could have just got away with having Saeed start as as a character, as a lovable character. You know, I think you have to give him this type of backstory because you're giving everybody a backstory. I don't think they could have just got away with him being just a regular dude. <laughs> like a civilian, basically, yeah. from war torn yeah. Iraq. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree as well. And I think it was something that, Scott, you touched upon uh, when we were in the first week when we were talking about the pilot, um, how obviously these aspects of him have been hinted at via conversation, but also that whole racial barrier was put to bed very quickly with the fight between him and Sawyer. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know what instigated it. It was just assumed it was out of the way very quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about how tastefully that was done as well. Um, but you're right. I think he, he needed this kind of background because it also lends it self to um his expertise with electronics as well i guess yeah oh, yes. which is obviously what he's known for <laughs> yeah hmm. i'll say interest an interesting thing like going from that from like the fight with soy and putting just putting that thing to, to bed like straight away um there hasn't been any kind of um no conversation between characters about suspicion about side obviously but also Sawyer is the only one who alludes to it. He just calls him Mohammed or something like now and again, yeah. and, and and that's it. You don't get any other. Everyone is just perfectly accepting of him, um, yeah. even though they don't know him. They've known him for like we know now, like, just two weeks. So, yeah, it's very very well well done. Just to just nip it in the bud straight away. We don't mm. need to just hash this out. Yeah, I always go back to Hurley when he says, "Oh, where are you from?" And you know, he's like Republican. You know, I was in the Republican Guard, and Hurley's obviously very <laughs> perturbed by that. But then he's like, "Okay, okay, dude. You know, <laughs> it's fine. I'm yeah. cool with that." <laughs> yeah, and it fits in quite well with, um, like, everybody in the island gets a clean slate, as in, as in what they said in the what was it, the third episode, the fourth episode. I can't remember, but the tabular rasa. Yeah, everybody gets the clean yeah. slate, so it's quite nice. Um, is it this episode that Hurley does the census? No, it's the next one. Never mind, I'll get to it. But um, I quite like that, you know, everybody is just given a clean slate, and there's no, aside from maybe Sawyer, there's no suspicion between anybody, as you say. You know, it's 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 quite nice. I mean, it's, it, it is... Uh, I mean, they did it a couple of episodes ago with Kate in Tabula Rasa, but it's, it is just a nice way to give everybody a clean slate and to show that, I guess... Everybody kind of begrudgingly gets along. Yeah, yeah for better absolutely. or worse. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, better or worse, they, they kind of have to, don't they? At this point, because yeah. at this point in the show, it's just a plane crash scenario, isn't it? You've got to survive somehow. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And and there's live together, die alone, as Jack is so fond of saying. Ah, oh, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Great quote. So yeah. Um, so we've got this initial backstory, uh, however, albeit brief, you obviously know he's capable of these atrocities. Um, he's displayed it on the island, and he's displaying it in the flashbacks. Um, and his superior officer, who's also his friend, who I've written down, he's called Omar, I believe, uh, he wants him to execute Nadia. 
Uh, and I'm jumping through the flashbacks quite quick because I don't think there's a lot of them in a way. I think there's only like maybe three maximum, but there's not a lot to them. But you get, do you know what I mean? You get enough out of them to understand what's going on. Yeah. There's quite bare bones, if I remember right. Um, But he cuffs Nadia and puts a hood over her head, you know, ready for execution. And then uh, he goes all Arnie and bit commando and decides I'm going to save her. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I'm right in saying he, he fucks up a few of the guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a guy. Um, yeah. Isn't it Omar? Isn't it his mate? I think it is. Yeah, he ends up shooting him because yeah. he catches him. Initially, That's I think fine. he has a fate, w- fight with a couple of the dudes who were... Well, oh, no, he says to them... Um, I'll take her from here. That's it. That's isn't right. It? Yeah, oh, the right, two right, other right, guards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and he tries to convince her to leave, and she's a bit apprehensive, and then he kind of catches her, mm-hmm. and love, love, love wins all. Yeah, how? I'm just. Oh, sorry, go on ahead. Pass- I was just going to sorry, John. I was going to say, what's the passage of time with this? Because you don't really get a sense of it, and Saeed is like in love with her after like the second flashback. <laughs> I don't really think there's an ink at this point anyway, and I'm not sure. I, I think it's, is it, I don't know if it's revisited later on in the series, but I'm, mm. I know she is as a, as a character, albeit maybe just in name. I don't know about physically. Mm. Um, in terms of the time frame, though, in this particular episode, I, I don't know if they give you a clear indication. It's a bit vague. Yeah, I'm just actually having a look at the, the, Lost Wikipedia, Lostopedia, and it says after over a month of interrogation. So okay, yeah. Ah, okay, fair enough. But, um, I wonder where I, I I don't know how they know that unless I've just completely missed something in the show. There's prob- there's, isn't there like a, a like a an actual official Lost um like got got anthology mythology guide or something available from all good bookstores. <laughs> Available in Waterstones and Amazon.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is. I mean, yeah. at, at the end of the day, they had the map for last week, didn't they? When I, when we talked about the map, although oh, that yeah. was Pinterest, but you know, they've got the map of all the Dharma stuff. So I'm sure they'll have a mythology book somewhere. I think a, m- a month at least would make sense to some sense. And if he's bringing her food every day and talking to her, there's the, the reports yeah. and the build up, and they talk about when they were kids. And yeah. I was going to say, I think we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt because he, it's not like he, he, he doesn't know this woman. You know, he's he, he's known her since childhood and there's obviously some affiliation there. He, he oh, does yeah. feel something for her in the beginning. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. Definitely. <laughs> so unfortunately, he has to fatally shoot his, his mate and then he shoots himself as every <laughs> as every good... As every good um, or guilty person tends to do in film and TV, especially around the early noughties. Everyone likes to shoot themselves. In fact, funnily enough, I'll, I'll bring this up when we get to see season two, but it, do you know like in Star Wars how there was always there was always a thing of lopping limbs off? It was just a very common thing, especially in the original trilogy. <laughs> and obviously the prequels, there was always like a hand or a leg. It was just a very amusing thing that always happened in Star Wars. In Lost... Someone at some point, I'm pretty sure throughout the series, will always shoot themselves to get away with something. <laughs> and see, and see, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about in season oh, two, but season yes. two, I've just, yeah, I've just yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it just it just made me laugh because I thought, 
he's doing someone else is doing it now and then it made me think it's such a common like trope in film and tv someone shoots themselves to get away with something but anyway i digress we'll get to that so um go on talking of of tropes this one does i don't know if it's technically a trope but uh in the opening flashback it does something that i always love whenever tv shows or movies do it um they have saeed um speaking oh my goodness what would be speaking this shows up my my terrible lack of knowledge um but they they do that switch where it it just pans across and suddenly speaking english you know it's it's subtitle 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 yes like I think that's just a really elegant way of doing it because with um, Sun and Jin, those two actors are Korean American, aren't they? Fairly. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so they they have the language. Um, I can't imagine that. Um, was it Naveen Naveen Andrews? Mm-hmm. Yep. Obviously, I don't know, but I don't think he speaks the language, so I think it's a quite nice way of getting around it. Um, I'm fairly certain he's born and bred in London. Um, yeah, he's a Londoner. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a pretty strong Fun, accent. Fun. Whilst we're talking about him, just I was going to say I watched uh, a couple of uh, interviews from back in the day when he was promoting Lost, and he was on uh, Jonathan Wass back in on BBC One when he was probably a bit better than he is now, N- much more, you know, not reined in. But yeah, he came on, and I feel like I can distinctly remember watching it at the time because I was like, oh my god, Saeed's going on Jonathan Ross, and then he came on with the most Cockney accent ever, <laughs> and and then I, I found out this whole history he was. Uh, like before Lost, he was in uh, like the English Patient. Um, yeah, oh, okay. he's in he's in loads of films in his youth, but he was also a crack addict <laughs> for like oh, three years and an alcoholic. Oh, and he's wow. gone through like rehab so many times. And he also, funnily enough, just bear with me, he was in a relationship for quite some time with Barbara Hershey. Really? Of all of all people, yeah. Barbara Hershey oh. for about 11 or 12 years. Jesus. <laughs> so he you know he's 51 now but he's had a he's had a bit of a run. <laughs> so obviously he's very he's most famous for loss but yeah he was in the English patient a couple a smattering of other things and then he was in the re, uh, the remake of Rollerball <laughs> if anyone remembers that. Of Chris Klein. Yeah and I think LL Cool J was in that as well. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah i think you're right yeah but yeah basically naveen andrews has been around the block and (laughs) come out the other side oh bless him so yeah he's a he's a very cockney chap i i mistakenly thought that he was in this life with andy lincoln but it was another asian gentleman i'm so sorry (laughs) i thought he was shout out to andy lincoln whilst we're here i love that man (laughs) I i thought he was the um the Oh, I can't remember his name. He had the long, he had the long hair. He had the long hair. In this, I must life. confess, I haven't watched that show. Unfortunately, yeah, oh, no, I okay. I will, okay. I will make it one of my things during my two weeks off. It, it's, um, it's a, it's a very nineties um, uh, situation drama. Very good. Is that where the teachers? No, that's Teachers. That was in Channel 4. This Life was Andy Lincoln, <clears throat> like pretty much his first role. Um, okay. And I think I, can't, I think someone else pretty famous is in This Life as well. can't remember though. Might be Greg Wise. But definitely Andy Lincoln, it was his like, breakout role. And then I think Teachers made him like a star in the UK. But um, yeah, check that out, definitely. Yeah, I will do. Oh, uh, Jack Davenport. 
That's it. Oh, yep. Yeah, Jack Davenport. Who went on to be Admiral What's-His-Face in... Uh, I've just watched all five and I can't even remember his name, his name in Pirates of the Caribbean, but I know he's in them. Admiral Badman. <laughs> that that guy who doesn't like Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yep. But we've got we, we've gone off tangent slightly, but I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> just zipping back to Naveen shoot himself in the leg. Um <laughs> and the, the flashbacks end with him shooting himself in the leg. And he tells her to run because reinforcements are going to arrive. And he wants to make it appear that she's obviously shot him in the leg, uh, killed his mate Omar, uh, but she's free for now. And that's all we learn from it. But even still, like I said, I know it's quite bare bones, but you do it does reinforce that idea of this is how he learned his skills. This is, I guess, in a way as well, just how he carries himself as a character, because he's quite—he is quite military-esque, even on the island. I don't know if anyone else thinks that he's very, quite upstanding. Yeah, yeah, very regimented in his approach. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's very well spoken as well. Yeah, and, and it feeds into like what's happened to him on the island as well, because he's uh, captured at the start of the episode as well. Um, yeah, he, find, he finds the the wire. On the beach and, and follows it and eventually gets uh, caught up in a trap. Isn't that right? That's correct, which yeah. is a nice segue because <laughs> we've done with the flashbacks. <laughs> so we can segue into that. So yeah, this is the first uh, physical appearance of the French lady, mm-hmm. as we know, is called Danielle. So yep, you're right. Saeed finds a rope on the beach follows it into the jungle and that again that familiar trope in the jungle it hits a tripwire and he gets caught <laughs> upside down and uh one thing i uh thought was interesting is he starts reciting um an islamic prayer i, I obviously i'm very apologetic because i'm not familiar with it <laughs> but i just thought that was another little link to his heritage as a character mm-hmm. um because obviously at that point he thinks i think i think the prayer itself is about acceptance you know d- you know you're declaring your acceptance and obviously he thinks maybe that's the point where he's going to die i'm not sure mm. um but then obviously the french lady cuts him down and ties him to a bed in her makeshift bunker yeah and uh so this is yeah as you say the this the first we hear of of rousseau um and yep. like this this episode really starts to ramp up like the whole mythology of Lost, it, it would seem. Um, like There's so many references yeah. to things that will become important down the line. Um, so, for instance, uh, Rousseau mentions the sickness, which I'd completely yeah. forgotten about. Well, this is good, because this is your moment, actually, John, thinking about it you, with all your mysteries. <laughs> yep, exactly. We exactly. can take, take them off and go along, go for it. <laughs> so she mentions the sickness, which I can't remember what that refers to. But I, I know was it something to do with the pregnant women. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, she mentions the others. I don't think she means like as a, as the group at the moment. That doesn't sound like she means the group called the others. It just sounds like she's saying there are others on the island. But yeah, I think that's probably where it comes from. She mentions the black rock, and she also mentions the whispers, which again I had forgotten about the whispers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the whispers too. She also uh, does. It's a bit of a Michael thing, but she keeps asking where Alex is, which obviously <laughs> yeah. plays plays a big part further down the line. Um, but she, 
she's obviously very um, unsure of him. You get that feeling as well that obviously she's been on the island for what is it, sixteen years or something like that? I can't remember when how long they said the transmission was going on for. About sixteen years, um, but she's clearly a bit delirious. <laughs> Bless her. Um, you get the feeling that she doesn't think Saeed's real, but even if he is, he's obviously there to hurt her in some form. But he obviously convinces her otherwise, and um, he. I'm just trying to think. Doesn't he, he? He kind of breaks the ice by offering to fix her. Um, music can't think box. of the word. Yeah, music music box. box. That's the one. <laughs> he, um, but also, ironically, I say ironically, but she's ta- starts torturing him, which I thought was quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, she starts shocking him with the batteries. Yeah, I guess it's, it's sort of. Like... Oh, sorry. No, go on, John. Sorry. No, no. I guess. Uh, I mean, it. I guess it is just the uh, the eye for an eye. You know, the atonement for what what Sai did last week. Um, quite quite literal, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's very on the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I've I've noticed actually as we've been discussing this and obviously watching it back, but in the as good as it is, they don't they don't. They don't do subtlety, do they? The writers on this show at the moment. <laughs> no, I go full on. Yeah, they go full on. I, I quite like that they go full on. Yeah, but it, it, it never comes across as as clumsy or anything, you know. Um, no. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about that. It just, it just never, like, it never strikes me as something that I'm like, oh, okay, they're doing this. Um, yeah, it, it, it is quite. No, I, I definitely, I definitely think you're right. It's that full circle aspect. You know, he mm-hmm. was the torturer. He is now being tortured, mm-hmm. um, and Said obviously explains the plane crash to uh, Russo and the trans- that they heard her transmission. Another funny thing as well just made me think as well. You know, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. I was mentioned about just the general geography of the island. I think it's purely how it's filmed. But, you, you know, for example, how the caves all of a sudden doesn't feel as far from the beach. <laughs> and then when you start getting to the, when you start getting to like the Dharma stuff, you know, there's oh, there's a doorway that's not that far from the beach to get into the hatch and yeah. so on. Um, the same kind of applies here is that how, how long has Saeed been walking <laughs> to get to where she is? Is it a long way? Is it, you know, because let's be honest, she's quite easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true. It's like um, Game of Thrones. You know, the first three or four seasons, it took characters an entire season to get from one place to say King's Landing, and then in the final season, it was just yeah, like, next scene, they're just there. Don't don't worry about it. Don't don't overthink. <laughs> I was it. about to say, and l- and look where it got them. <laughs> well, yeah. Although it does take some of that did that. You what? Sorry, was it only just one character that was guilty of that? I can't remember um, who it was, but it was like um, the guy who was hanging around Tyrion, the eunuch. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, the spider. Yeah, well, you see, remember. this is this is this is how much the last season ruined Game of Thrones for me. Is I've completely <laughs> forgot who everybody yeah. was. Funnily enough, was it yesterday or the day before that it was the the year anniversary of the finale of that show? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and I just. Absolutely hate it. That's gone so quick, hasn't it? That year. <laughs> yeah. When you put it into perspective, like, oh yeah, Game of Thrones finale was one year ago today. Really? Instantly forgotten about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I forgot about it straight after I watched it. Yeah. Went to work because I watched it at five in the morning. 
couple of people at work had watched it. They were like, what do you think? And I just went, shit. And everyone was like, yeah, it was pretty wank, weren't it? I'm like, pretty wank. That was so bad. <laughs> anyway, we digressed yet again. Um, where did we get to? So, yeah, Danielle awesome. Russo, the, the French. Sorry, go on, Scott. I was going to say, um, still on top. It's not where it's on topic. Um, with, uh, when Saeed is obviously trying to sweet talk her and he's trying to sort of ask her some questions about how, you know, what happened with her. And I was thinking, oh, this is really clever because he's like interrogating her, but he's the one that's imprisoned, or in, you know, or he's the one that's strapped yeah. down and he's interrogating her. It's a very, very good use of character. Yeah, I never thought about that. No, because she starts to open up to him, and, and you could, you, and I got the sense of side knows how to speak and use his voice effectively yeah. to get answers without yeah, the use yeah. of violence. So I thought it was quite clever. Mm, no, yeah, good. even though he's he's the one in the um, in the predicament almost as well. Yeah, he reverses it onto her, which is yeah, I thought it yeah. was quite quite cool. That's just how I, I it, it was perceived by me anyway. No, I agree. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking. So he fixes her music box, so so she would let him go, and then she injects him with Jesus juice or something to make him go to sleep. <laughs> Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, she gives him some. Well, one thing she finds the picture of Nadia. Oh yes. So obviously that, that's your link to your flashbacks. So obviously he does still hold some affi- uh, affiliation to her. He does have some affection towards Nadia. But you're right. She um, she gives him something. Um, I can't remember what it is. But I guess I guess the the big thing for this episode for me um, is the you've, these first eight episodes. You've obviously got the majority of the core cast have been introduced. Uh, you've got an idea and a sense of who and what they're meant to be as characters and who they are. But now, as John's mentioned already, this is the arguably the first episode that fully introduces the mythology of lost um you get you solve the first mystery i.e the origin of the transmission you know you've met Rousseau now um but then you start getting a bit more so we've mentioned the whispers which we'll get to towards the end well the very end of the episode should i say um yeah, it's just it just at the time it didn't feel like it, but looking back on that reflective nature, it's such a big episode, hmm. such a big episode. Um, but yeah, so Said fixes the broken music box, which was given to her as a gift. I think she mentioned at the time, mm-hmm. and he says he can fix it for, her. and she gives her him her origins. She was part of the science team, and I think this is where the sickness comes into it, John. Yeah, she was saying that her team started getting sick one by one. Mm-hmm. Do we like? Correct me if I'm wrong, and it might be ages down the line. But do we ever get a flashback episode for her? I seem to think we do. Only when she's right. So, funnily enough, I was reading about this, and apologies for listeners and um, jumping ahead. Uh, they were planning on doing a flashback episode with the with the main actress of Danielle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the spoiler alert killed her off <laughs> in early season four, I want to say, mid-season four time. Right. And then every time she appeared after that was in the time, in the past, in the time travel uh, seasons. 
and that's kind of where her flashbacks were. They weren't they weren't strictly flashbacks, but you you, you got a sense of her history from that. Um, so they never actually did a proper one with her. Okay. Okay. And I just happened to be reading about that the other day because <laughs> I'm because I've got no, so much time on my hands. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, I'll look forward to seeing that because yeah, I like to have the the gaps filled in. I suppose. I love that. I love filling in the gaps. I, I mean, some people like stuff to. Know, I mean, I'm I'm the same really. I don't I don't mind things being left as they are for me to think about, but at the same time, I, I'm a sucker for having things filled in. <laughs> oh no, it's like. Absolutely. Like, I think I mentioned maybe last week or the week before about how some of the flashbacks, you know, started at the earliest point for the characters and then ended at the airport. So, and, and I think I was a wee bit dismissive of that, but then uh, contradicting myself again, it's like, oh no, actually, I just want to find about everything else in between, you know? Um, so it's, it's quite nice that, you know, we've got so much, so many episodes to just fill in all these blanks that I have completely forgotten about. <laughs> that's the beauty of it though and that's the beauty of a rewatch i think yeah you know you've got all these things that you just these little sometimes the little moments are better than the main moments you know you'll always remember the others Mm -hmm. you'll always remember the smoke monster but it's just the little bits in between that you forget and they're often more fun than that yeah uh, yeah there was one i i again may have misremembered from this episode but the the wire on the beach that um, Saeed mm-hmm. but if he followed that the other way, does that lead to the underwater um, Dharma station? Oh my god! Does it? Does it I have never thought about that. I think it does. I could be wrong, <laughs> but no, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Check the map on Pinterest right now. <laughs> <laughs> two, two seconds. <laughs> Because that's isn't that rest, you know, it's a very oh, sad I'm moment. Right. But that's Charlie's, um, yeah, I'm right. Charlie's I'm moment, right. isn't it? I remembered it right. Get in! Oh <laughs> God, you, you, you <laughs> clever bastards! <sighs> Do you know what? Honestly, well, think about it. That's... That was in season three, wasn't it? When and Charlie, when Charlie pops off. Yeah, it's the finale of season three. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, that I would, I would hazard a guess that that was all relatively planned out quite, quite neatly. In those yeah. first three, mm. for those first three seasons, so that makes a lot of sense. That's great. I just love, I just love the, I just love the idea that writers can be sat there and go, yeah, if he goes that way, that obviously he's going to find the French lady. But no one's going to think what happens if he goes the other way. <laughs> we know. We will. We've got it written down. <laughs> Clever buggers. Um. Where right so. We've got the sickness. We've got the others. We've got the whispers in the jungle. Although she's never seen the others, so she's all alone. You get the feel. You get the sense that she's complete, complete nut job. Basically, mm-hmm. she's lost all sense of reality. Saeed don't believe her, but he fixes a music box because, as we've said, he kind of turns it on her. He knows how to talk. He talks the talk, um, and then he finishes the repairs. And he asks, he keeps asking her to let him go, and then am I right in saying they hear a growl outside? They do. And Russo runs off, leaving him alone. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he says it might be the monster, and she said there are no monsters, which is, <laughs> I mean, you know, is there, is there not at this point? We don't know, do we? Because we've not seen it. So no, we've still not seen it at this point. Could be the polar bear. Yeah. 
I think well, you never know, do you? I always think that the the monster's got that very distinct sound, though. It's very mechanical, isn't it? It sounds like machine, machinery, yeah, and yeah. the cogs. I think it was meant to be something like a combination of like a lion's roar, a New York taxi cab, and some weird cog cogs and machinery put together. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I'll have a look into that for next time. Well, that's so, sound design, isn't it? Normally, it's like if you, oh, sorry, I do love Star Wars, but um. I love, uh, <laughs> if, if you know a guy called Ben Burt, who's responsible for pretty much all the major key sounds from Star Wars, mm-hmm. it's just a yeah. combination of various different noises and sounds created from objects all just cobbled together. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if it was something like that, like three or four things mixed together to create that distinctive smoke. I was going to say, because like Chewie's like, he's a lion's roar, isn't he? But mixed with various other things. Yeah, there's like two other animals in there or something, and like a yeah. child screaming, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine George Lucas <laughs> just screaming to the microphone? <laughs> but why? We'll tell you later. <laughs> oh, dearie me. That's probably why JJ got the role, because he knew that guy. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, Said escapes Russo's bunker while she's gone. He grabs the rifle and. We haven't mentioned it yet, but he noticed there's a bunch of maps and notes that she's made about the island, and he sneakily grabs those as well because he thinks, I can bring them back to my mates. Um, But Russo finds him, and they have a bit of a standoff. And he, again, that very familiar trope, he tries to fire his rifle, but no bullet is in there. (laughs) And she's removed the firing pin, the cheeky blighter. (laughs) Uh, and she says something about her former lover that he made the same mistake and then she killed him, which I always find really funny. <laughs> Bless her, she's she's so broken. Because <laughs> when did she when did did she establish when she actually killed is his name Robert? Yes. Yeah, his name was Robert, yeah. Did she say when she killed him or uh, uh I can't I, I can't remember, but in terms of their chronology I've got written down as they left, I think she says they left Tahiti, and after about three days, they shipwrecked on the island. That's right. Yeah, I remember they mentioned Tahiti, yeah. Um, but in, term, in terms of, I think it might be a couple of weeks, I want to say. I, I, I could be wrong. Because yeah, at that it. point, at that point, she was heavily pregnant too, like Claire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's at this point um, that she tells her, or she tells Saeed who Alex was. Isn't that right? Yeah, because yeah. she's talking in the. She's always asking, "Where is Alex? Where is that?" And then once they get out and they're in this Mexican standoff, and Sai tells her about what was written on the back of the photograph. Mm-hmm. She then opens up and says, "Oh yeah, Alex was my child." I'm like, "Okay, that's interesting." So that's all in oh, the back yeah. past tense. Hmm. Yeah, and she fully believes as well that this sickness, whatever she believes it to be. The reason she killed her team off is because she didn't want it to reach the outside world, which in current times very prevalent. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why we're doing this. But you know, it just it just feels very on the nose. When I saw that, I don't want it to reach the outside world. I was like, oh god, I didn't it's, even think of that. It's funny you should mention that. Sorry, John. go on. Oh, no, just it's funny you mention that as well because Hurley, like his whole story in this episode as well, is like, I am going mad with boredom. We've got to do something on this island. Uh, and again, I was like, yeah. Same Hurley, 
Same. <laughs> so in a way, Solitary, the eight, ninth episode of Lost, is a ironically good combination of what's happening in the world right now. Just yeah. they didn't they didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I could we'll go get to the off. B. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get to the we'll get to the B plot in a second, but we'll just finish off Saeed's run. Mm-hmm. Um, so Saeed talks Russo into letting him go. And like we've said, he, before he leaves, he asks about Alex, and like you've said, Scott, he explains that she was her child. And obviously we know further down the line that plays a fairly pivotal point in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last part of the final part of the episode is whilst trying to find his way back to the camp, here's the whispering that she spoke of, mm-hmm. which I think, I can't, well, I know we've had Smokey and whatnot, but this is the the next step in terms of the supernatural aspects of the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else that's really happened that's considered supernatural. I don't think anything has. Well, I guess Locke's legs, but you know, um, this is the big point. So we know what we know. And having the show ended is that's supposed to be the the voices of the dead on the island. Spoilers again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> But at the time, you get this idea that these others, whomever they may be, are whispering in the uh, in the trees. Who are they? What are they? But is Saeed delirious? You don't know. You don't know. Yeah, because he's obviously been injected with that um, exactly. sedative, so it could be after effects of that. It could be, you know, he could be so just delirious from the conditions of the island, you, you, the exhaustion. So yeah, very very nicely started in there at that point. Absolutely. Um, and then just to point out the, the B plot, so we can't have an episode where we don't have uh, our mate Locke and Jack, and as we've said, Hurley. But there's a very, very important character that's rather blasely introduced well, there's two, into the show. <laughs> Pardon? There's two, actually. Oh, okay. So obviously there's the one you was going to mention, I think. Um, and then there's also, at the start of the of uh, events on the island at the top, tip, top of the show, you get Rashman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get Rashman. Where and when did he come in? It's just <laughs> does he have, I don't think he ever appears again, does he? If, well, um, I can't recall. And I don't think he's even given I, a name. I think he might be given a name during the census part of the next episode. Hold on a second. I'm just looking on my notes. Hold on. I'm just on Wikipedia. He's called Sullivan. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we'll just call him Sully affectionately. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Mister Rashman, who's doesn't he ruin Jack's golf game? Uh, I think yeah, he does. Yeah, muscles in it, but I think isn't he like um, he's oh, got like hives or something. Yeah, I something along those lines. Hives, and he's just like pestering him after saying, "Oh, you know, what do I, you know, how do I?" Well, he's, he's a hypochondriac, isn't he? Yeah, he it, says, yeah, "I've got, I've got better things to be doing than diagnosing a hypochondriac." <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. I'm on the... He's just got a stunt. Yeah. Go on, the... John. I'm on the the page for Sullivan, and it's quite a short page. Um, so it says the actor. <laughs> the actor is called Scott Paulin. He is he is in one episode. He's in this episode, and uh, his death is just unknown. at some point nobody really cares i feel really bad for that actor i'm just going to check his page if that's his main role oh no he's probably oh my god get this something 
Right, are you ready for this? This is fantastic. Go on. Oh my days. Okay, so he he's best known for playing Deke Slayton in The Right Stuff, which was in the 80s. He also starred in the remake in the 80s of Cat People. He was in Teen Wolf, Turner and Hooch, and the, I love this. He played the Red Skull in the 1990 version of Captain America. Oh my God. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> That's a garbage film, but that's actually <laughs> that's that's a great obituary. <laughs> that is that is that is something on a pub quiz, right? That's something <laughs> you put on a pub quiz. Jesus, and he's seventy years old. Wow, oh. so he'd have been in his right, nearly mid fifties at that point. He would have been, yeah. yeah but as sense. as John's said, death unknown. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he he's introduced. <laughs> um. But Mr. John Locke has a new hunting partner by the name of Ethan Rom, mm-hmm. who is very polite, very, very polite. And, you know, you don't think anything of it. And I think it was, it was last week. Was it, was it the cave-in last week that we discussed? Uh, we discussed Scott and Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the cave-in was, yeah, the yeah, moth. Yeah, so we discussed, we, 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 all, we were all in agreement that it was quite nice that they'd introduced or they were showing the other survivors uh, as opposed to just the main core group. So they were getting involved, and obviously Sullivan is part of that group. Uh, but you don't think anything of it when you get introduced to Ethan. You're just like, oh, yeah, he's part of the crew. Yeah. And it's that wonderfully, it's that how they've written it. You just you just accept it. He is part of the crash landing. You don't think anything of it. It's so clever. I, I so, have, so clever. I have a note. It's actually for, for it was a note for the next episode. But um, just a thought I had, like, how good would it have been if he, if that actor, um, I have it down here, Tom Cruise's cousin or something. Uh, William Mapoffer. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Um, like, how good would it have been if he was in it from the pilot? You know, if he was yeah. in every single episode. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden it was turned. Like, I, I like how they've done it anyway in the show, but just one of those ones that would have completely floored you, I think, if, if you were just, if he was like, Hurley's mate for the f- the first eight episodes, and then boom, he's he's one of the others. And also the other bit of trivia, just when I mention others, you probably know this already, but Ethan Rum is a um, an anagram for other man. Yep. Oh, very good. <laughs> I'd got that written down too. <laughs> I remember thinking that. There's one thing that I I don't know, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I reckon they was deliberately trying to fool the audience with this episode, not because of um, Ethan and, his, and whether he was like, you know, an original cr- uh, crash victim or not, but um, you never hear Danielle explicitly say if her child is male or female. So maybe yeah. they're trying to lure you to think that maybe Ethan was her, was her son and he's just taken on a pseudonym. And she yeah. sent him to infiltrate the island. I had that thought whilst I was watching the two sort of stories play out, and I was like, "She actually mm-hmm. said if her child was a, a, a girl or a man." So I never thought of that, mm-hmm. but that is really clever. But I might really have missed point. it, but she never said. I'm sure she never says it. Is that no, no, you're right. No, she doesn't. No, she, no, she always just says they took Alex. Do you yeah. know Alex? Where is Alex? And I think at the end she says, uh, "She says my child." She doesn't say yeah. my son. She doesn't say my daughter. She says my child. Yeah, yeah, clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Tom Cruise's cousin, you know, hanging out with Locke. Um, I think I'll just call him that from now on. The Cruise's cousin is hanging out with Locke. Um, and 
I think this is like we've you briefly touched upon, but this is kind of the start of Hurley getting the census together because this is where they're looking through the luggage, isn't it? And that's when they find the golf clubs. And we've got that nice little B plot of them, of Hurley building the golf course to improve morale amongst the survivors, <laughs> yeah. which is quite a sweet moment. We've just, we've said how much we love Hurley and just he's the nice guy, isn't he? And, you know, you, you break down Jack's barriers, you give him a game of golf to play and he's up for it. Doctor playing golf. There's a nice little scene where they they've established up like, the game, and then you have like a, a cut to another scene. I think it's I think it might be um, Saeed and, and Danielle, but you cut back and Michael's there with Jack, and they've got like a close up, and they kind of had this like really intense dialogue, and then the camera pans out, and they're and he's like, "Give me a seven iron." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just remembered. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You see, it is capable of of doing some good, funny comic scenes. It yeah. really is, and stuff like that breaks the ice, doesn't it? At the end of the day, you can't just have something that's forever relentless. Yeah, it, it is a nice little respite from all the the serious drama. Um, and then you have the, the little scene of of uh, Charlie and Harley just dancing at the the flag, which is just oh, that's that's one of the most giftable things ever. That. Yeah, yeah. I've got that, that's one of my most used gifts to one of my friends. <laughs> Uh, I, I was just reading a note here on, uh, again, Lostopedia that says um, Jorge Garcia, so Hurley, um, said that many of the, the Hurley and Charlie scenes in the golf course were improvised. So that's just a nice wee touch. You do really get the sense that Jorge Garcia and Don Monaghan genuinely got on in real life as well. Mm, it doesn't yeah. ju- it doesn't just feel like Hurley and Charlie. They have such a great chemistry on the show, yeah. even when they're mad at one another or when Hurley's just trying to be nice and Charlie's on his drugs <laughs> or coming <laughs> off his drugs. But you do get that sense that that, that chemistry, and I, th- I think a lot of the cast are like that. To be honest with you, I do feel like there is the, the that instant chemistry where something just clicks instantly. Mm-hmm. It's just so, so well done these early episodes. Charlie um, has a great little. Um, there's there's nice little moments of of comedy, um, particularly in that in that beat, obviously. But um, when uh, I think Michael was, I think it's Michael that's protesting about. Well, not protest, but he's kind of asking, you know, like, why are you making a golf course? And then um, uh, Hugo says, you know, all this shit's going on, you know, like polar bears. And then Michael goes, polar bears? And Charlie says, we didn't, <laughs> didn't hear about the polar bear. You would have thought that would have gone around the island, but clearly it's, you know, <laughs> people just often doing their own thing. They just don't get all, they don't get the memo. Could you imagine if Locke was stood there and he was like, I best not tell them about the smoke monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh it's it's a good episode this i really liked it it's a lot of fun and to to end to bring this one to a close uh i know we've talked about the true ending of the episode but they all the, uh, basically the majority of the survivors turn out to have a bit of fun playing golf including mr sawyer who's the outcast at this point yeah it's nice to see him integrate Rather than just sitting on his ass reading the book, and you know, and he offers up the sunscreen, doesn't he? As a as a prize, which I thought was yes, quite, he does. quite neat. Yes, he does. So with that, we will call time on episode nine, solitary. What and about the, what about the final one? The final scene. The final final scene. Go on. Um, Michael unwittingly sends um, Walt off because Walt's a bit dejected because uh, Michael left him in the caves. Uh, when he went to do the golf, so Walt pisses off again, 
and he stumbles across John, who's got a big knife. Oh, yeah. And Wall asks him if he can teach her how to use it. So it's a bit of a little ominous... Uh, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing into, yeah, into what could happen between these two guys. So, oh, And I, I must admit, I forgot to write any notes on that, but whilst you mentioned it, you can't help but think of Crocodile Dundee when yes. you think of knives that big. <laughs> He's the spiritual successor to Mick Dundee. It, it's one of those knives where, and they, they really focus on it as well, because Walt really kind of studies it. You know the knife is going to have some kind of significance or the knife. Cool, they had a knife. Yeah, it's a knife that's going <laughs> to be it. used. Absolutely. And, you know, Walt starts to get mildly interesting as a result of hanging out with Locke, but, or wanting to hang out with Locke anyway. Yeah. Mm. Further down the road. So we'll call time on that one now. Uh, just a couple of trivia points that we might not have mentioned so far. Um, th- I found out that the um, the network were actually encouraging the writers and producers to wait until the finale to show Russo. So they, wa- they wanted to hold on to all their... Uh, onto the eggs, so to speak, before spilling the basket, but the writers said nope. We're doing it now, and I don't think that would have worked as mm. nearly as well no, if you'd yeah. held off that long. Yeah, no, that's true. Because if again, if I remember correctly, she's she features pretty heavily in the first season finale as well. Yeah, correct. Doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, that would have been weird if you introduce her and then suddenly she's everywhere. Um, but does does she appear again? Again, I, I, I'm jumping ahead here. But does she appear again before the finale? Yes, she does. Okay, that's all right. Don't tell me she anymore. does. Very, very, very occasional. It's okay. it's more fleeting glances. She's she becomes one of those characters where it's like they're walking around the island and then she just appears and they're like, "Oh hey, how you doing?" <laughs> okay, it, it's very it's very quick. But you're like, "Oh yeah, we've established she's okay and she's okay with them," and you know. Okay. Um, one of the other things uh, that I noticed was in an, uh, an early draft of the script, Russo uh, explicitly tells Saeed that her, uh, she and her research team were there to study time. Oh. And when ABC overviewed the draft, they said, can you remove this line? Because they didn't want the show to venture into sci-fi too quick. I think they got the series Bible and they knew kind of where they wanted to go, but they didn't want them to go that quick. So okay. then that was it, that was changed to just say she was part of a scientific exhibition or whatever. Mm-hmm. But even that early on, they were considering, you know, the time aspect of the show. Okay. That's interesting, actually. Because yeah. I always remember uh, at the time, people watching Lost um, and then like whenever all the the stranger stuff started to happen. Like it happens in the first episode, but you know, it gets stranger as it goes along um, where people were saying, you know, it's not a science fiction show, you know, it's, it's a survival show. And then you get to like season four and five and it's like time travel and all this. And it's like, no, that's a science fiction show. <laughs> you thought the polar bears were weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dear. So that's solitary, everybody. That was a nice long chat. Let's move swiftly on. Two raised by another episode ten of the first season of Lost. So Scott, more trivia, I believe. Yeah, uh, directed by uh, Marita Graviak, 
she just directed this single episode um, of of Lost. Although she had worked on a handful of Joss Whedon shows, she did like you know like Fireflies, Buffy, like a few episodes here and there. So not um, not a really prolific director, um, uh, unfortunately. But she was um, funny enough. She was a script supervisor in the eighties and nineties, and she was uh, <laughs> she's noted on IMDb for working on the script for the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> so well, she actually uh, is responsible for the for helping along <laughs> that little that little <laughs> narrative. Well, it's not something you want on your CV, really. No, no. Um, and the writer was Lynn E. Litt. I don't know what the E stands for. Um, she worked as a pro- uh, producer, consulting producer on the show, but she only wrote this single episode. So both these individuals only worked on this episode and that was it um it aired in uh sorry aired on the first of december 2004 so there was a two-week gap between this and solitary okay um and there was a slight drop from the viewership 17.15 17.15 billion sorry uh so yeah yeah two-week gap between this and the last one lost a few viewers um the birthdays, famous birthdays, these corkers, these ones, you've got uh, some heavyweights, Richard Pryor, Woody Allen, Bette Midler, and last but not least, the first Lost alum that I found, yeah. um, the Snoop Dogg of Lost, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Captain Guy Liner himself, <laughs> yeah. Richard Alper. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Richard Alper, Nesta Carbonell, is Mr. it? Mr. Carbonell, yeah. He turned thirty-seven in two thousand and four on the first of December. So, yeah, I've I've Honestly, not found many at all yet. But that's the um, yeah, that's the first lost album that I found. I love that dude. He he is kind of like the Nick Cage of TV as well. He you know he just <laughs> he's a bit of a vampire. Yeah. I know Nick Cage looks his age, but you know Nesta Carbonell, he literally is a vampire. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So we got Bet Midler. Did you say Bet Midler? Yeah, Bit Midler, Richard Pryor, Woody Allen. Ooh, Woody Allen. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll put that one to say. Richard Pryor, though. That's good. Yeah. Um, ah, yeah. Sweet. You get the Mayor of Gotham in there as well. Well done. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it, Do you know, I haven't, I haven't watched those role. in ages. Oh, really? I only watched it like no. recently, and I was like, oh, Jesus, yeah, it's him. Because this was like 2008, so he was casting. The Dark Knight, whilst he was still working on Lost, brilliant. Still, one of the films that I'll always remember in a non-jumpy film making me jump, and it involves oh, Nesta yeah. Carbonell's character. <laughs> and it's so, it, to be fair, it is so well done, and you both know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But the, the dead victim dressed as Batman just smacking the window. But I distinctly remember being in the cinema on opening night watching that with my mates, and everyone just shut themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I just kind of thought, well done, Chris Nolan. I'll give yeah. you that one. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Uh, your man, um, was it Nestor? Did you say Nestor Car- Carbonell? Mr. Carbonell, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's one of those actors that is is always synonymous with loss for me. No matter what he does for the rest of his life on TV or in film, he'll always be um, Richard Alpert from, from Lost because I watched um, yeah. Bates I don't... and he's in that. Like He's, he's a main yep. cast member in that. And he's very good. He's I the like cop, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's very good. I like that show a lot. But um, yeah, I, I just can't get away from it. I enjoyed that show, actually. I only watched that recently. And oh, yeah. um, 
Yeah, it, it had ended and um, my mate at work had said, oh, we finally got into psycho territory. And I was like, oh. I remember starting it and not really liking it. Uh-huh. And then I think it was all on Netflix. Yeah, So yeah. I just kind of binged it because I really like Vera Farmiga. Mm-hmm. And um, he was really good, Freddie Highmore. And then it, it started off weird. And, you know, I'm one of those people that the weirder something is, the more I love it. <laughs> so, you know just as soon as it starts going down the rabbit hole and gets really, really messed up, I was like, okay, I'm yeah. with this. I'm, it's, I'm, it's I'm really okay with it. There's a lot of, of filler in that show, but um, there is the, the main stuff between Norman and his mother is really good. I know we're not talking about Bates Motel, but that's a good show. You should go and watch that show as well. It's a really good show. And just whilst we're talking about Nesta Carbonell, uh, did anyone watch the original TV series of The Tick with Patrick Warburton? Because he is one of the other heroes in it, and I forgot his name in it. Oh, no, I'm going to have to find out. He was, I'll tell you in a second. But yeah, if you've not watched that, if you've not watched that, just watch it purely because uh, Patrick Warburton's the tick. <laughs> oh yes, I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, the, the he is uh, Batman. Well, <laughs> 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 which is a phenomenal name for a superhero. <laughs> so yeah, Nesta Carbonell, everybody, love that man, and I can't wait for him to get into this show. So where were we? We were talking about. Hold on. Raised by another. So this yeah. is another big episode. Another big episode. So in line with Solitary, further pushing that series mythology forward. Funnily enough, I've got a note here as well. A decision that the network were nervous of at the time because they thought it was too early to be pushing this mythology forward. But, you know, I'm all for burning through material if it means it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a Claire-centric uh, episode. So we'll start with the flashbacks and it begins with a there's not a lot to these flashbacks I guess much like Saeed's and I guess Charlie's before, even Sawyer's to an extent. But she takes a pregnancy test with a dick of a boyfriend obviously he's going to be a dick and it's positive and he's like, oh it's going to be fine we'll be fine, they'll be good parents and then, as every person does, go see a psychic <laughs> 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 of course, because that, just, that just seems that just seems like the thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I this must have been the only last episode that I have either completely forgotten or I just hadn't seen. I remember the last like two minutes of the episode because that's that's the big thing, and we'll, we'll get to that. But I don't remember this episode at all. So whenever like Claire is walking with her friend and she's like, "Oh, it's just a psychic," I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Really? <laughs> a psychic? Again, and yeah, I, remember, I remember making a joke to one of my mates as well. I was like, I bet he was in Neighbours or Home and Away. I need <laughs> to check that now. <laughs> it just seems very weird. Like, again, last week we mentioned that um, the, the torture bit seems a bit, um, the, like the whole torture scene was very, didn't feel like Lost. This, yeah, like even, even though Lost gets pretty weird, this didn't feel like, it didn't feel like a fit for lost you know and um, yeah and, and okay I know it's, it's quite nice that you know it, it brings into the whole uh i guess mythology again that there's the hand of fate is, is doing something absolutely here. um absolutely. but yeah just, just when somebody says psychic i'm like oh so do you want to know some more i've got i've just found some more trivia so much like mr sullivan in the previous episode finding out he was 
Uh, I forgot. I've even forgot what I said he was in. <laughs> he was. Oh, in Red Skull. And it was the Red Skull, yeah. It was the Red Skull in the original Cap uh, film. So, Nick Jameson was the played the role of the psychic, Richard mm-hmm. Malkin. So he is American, not Australian, and I assumed he was Australian. He's got a very good accent. He was. He has had a smattering of appearances in things. He was the Russian president Yuri Serverov in three seasons of Twenty Four. Who and I can distinctly remember him now. Yeah, shit, fucking. He's, the, he's the Russian president in Twenty Four, <laughs> or one of the Russian presidents, because I think he gets killed at some point. Uh, he he was the voice of Palpatine in not the Clone Wars, but Star Wars Clone Wars which was like a micro-series that was produced, I think, immediately after Attack... I don't know, immediately after Revenge of the Sith? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, it was Um, between uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I don't think it falls within the Clone Wars chronology, but he was Palpatine in that. Sorry, 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 just to interrupt again. That's also a great series. You watch that too. (laughs) Oh, I'm watching Clone Wars right now. I'm loving it. I've never watched it before. I call myself a Star Wars fan, but you know, I've never watched it before, but it's, I'm loving it. Um, and my final uh, absolute, I can't believe I've never known this. He was the voice of uh, Richard Fisk and Morbius in uh, the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s. Jesus. <laughs> so there's like this throwbacks this... in this, in this, uh, <laughs> this week. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. He, I, I can't believe he, I never realized he was in 24. He was in it a lot as well. <laughs> so anyway, the Russian president tell, is psychic and gives Claire some idea of knowing that she's pregnant. And he, I believe, after touching her hand or, you know, giving her a little reading, he has a a premonition and he gets upset. <laughs> and he, refi- he refuses to tell her what he saw, which is never good. That is never, ever good. I think you'll agree. Yeah. And then later on, the dick of a boyfriend. Unfortunately, he's called Thomas. We're not all we're not all dicks. I promise, we're not all dicks. But he tells Claire that he's leaving. He's not ready for this responsibility of a child. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like that man. <laughs> I didn't understand actually because he was the one that was kind of he was, up for he, it. He encouraged Claire to keep the baby. He said, "Oh yeah, it'd be great." And then we don't have much in terms of what between that point and when he wants to get rid of the baby mm. it's kind of yeah it just yeah it just kind of switches from one to another it's very very odd but anyway yeah dick obviously it, it's very team it's very prevalent of the team dramas genre as well at the time because obviously i think you, you're going to have a show a show like this is always going to have a young character in it and i'm not sure how claire old claire's meant to be at this point um, I'm assuming relatively young, but yeah, um, like early twenties, twenty-two to twenty-five. Early twenties, yeah, yeah. But she's—I've um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. But uh, yeah, she's she's obviously fairly young, and it's just a dick move to make, man. It's just a dick move. I'm sorry. I just it made me mad. It made me mad, but it's yeah, that was it. Sorry. So you've got all these other dramas on at the moment. I think the OC would have been on at that time and all these 
various teen dramas and you've just got to have something like that, haven't you, in this kind of series? For your demos. Exactly. Like three or four million of those viewers, you never know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They need something like that just to keep it, um, I guess, relevant to some people to get them to get the viewership from different, yeah. different places. So, yeah, no, it's... Yeah, and, and, and her, child as well. Yeah, and Claire being pregnant obviously adds a bit of uh, extra drama to the proceedings. You know, it's it's again another nice little plot wrinkle that, uh, not to describe it, a man with two children, but not to describe it as a, a ticking time bomb, but it's sort of it, it is that <laughs> on the island. It is that in this episode. Um, yeah, big time. Absolutely, and I mean, I I just like Emily. De, is it Raven or Raven? I can I never get this right. I've said the Raven. The Raven, yeah, I say the Raven too. I'll yeah. just check. The Raven, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, must, it sounds like a French, or, you know, just a French descended name. So I'd say the Raven. The mm. Raven, yeah. I just know that. Um, I mean, she's nearly forty now, and she still looks like Claire in the start of the show. <laughs> but I, but she was also. And I don't even care admitting to this, but she was Belle in Once Upon a Time, which was the the series after Lost that some of the writers went on to make. <laughs> and as oh, a Disney buff, is that the she show? Was Belle. Oh, okay, that's the show where they integrated all the different fairy tale characters. Is that right? That is correct. And they chucked in so many Lost references; it was ridiculous. <laughs> Swear to God, they they must have mentioned Oceanic Airlines about. 20 times across the course of that series. It was mad. See the numbers of so any... random places. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Adam Horowitz and another person who, I can't remember his name, I'll find out later, but he was one of the writers on the show as well. And even, I think Lindelof had a hand in creating it too, because he's got a hand in everything, hasn't he, really? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. So yeah, we'll go back. We'll go back to the flashbacks. So he's not ready for responsibility of a child. She returns to the psychic for another reading after he re- after he freaks out, asks him for another reading, and he somehow knows that Thomas has left her, but she must have the baby because if anyone else parents it, it will be in danger. <laughs> Which I was like, okay, we're getting into a bit of weird territory here yeah. <laughs> i don't know where they were going with this i don't oh, know if it's just me but i've just remembered something sorry just with with my notes there because doesn't the boyfriend thomas he, he mentions that she has daddy abandonment issues and i've just made another connection to later on in the series um it, it, that kind of connects um because isn't claire's dad also the dad of somebody Ooh. else on the island yeah yeah he yeah. certainly is so okay do you know what? I, th- I think we can. I think we can say. Well, as long as we say spoiler alert before, well, <laughs> if, you know. you, if you've not watched the show, <laughs> but we can confirm that Jack and Claire are half brother and sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, that that was just I just popped into my head there with re- reading my notes here. Um, no, no, you're absolutely right because it plays into that. What we've been saying this whole time is that this is a show about daddy issues almost. Yeah. Everyone's got daddy issues in this show in some form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, it is. It is very strange, though. As like he mentions, you, know, you have to get on this plane. Um, it made me think that that maybe the psychic is somehow related to like the others, or maybe um, Whitmore. I don't know. I can't remember if that's if that's true. But just I'm sort of From- I'm making connections everywhere. I'm like, oh, is he? Is yeah. He this is he. Um, it seems like a very from odd my rewatch. Um, 
from my rewatch, I thought he was, I didn't think he was necessarily part of the others, but I just thought he, he, he at that point anyway, he knew that the plane was going to crash. If he's, if he knows these various things, if we're going to buy into this idea that he can actually um, have premonitions, then he's obviously seen that this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but he has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can buy that. Yeah. <laughs> But also, there's a lot of other <laughs> psychics are bullshit in my mind. So you know, yeah. they are. <laughs> but it works for yeah. this kind of show. <laughs> I just think of <laughs> bullshit. Not it works for the show. But I always think again of Phoenix Nights because I always come back to Phoenix Nights. <laughs> I think of Holy Mary when they're having the fun day. <laughs> and she says, "I'll have a, p- a pound." That's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one pound for two questions. And what's your other question, love? (laughs) (laughs) It's just perfect. So, yeah, we should say that Claire wants to give the baby away. We haven't said that, but she wants to give the baby away. And that's why he's this chap, Richard, is insistent on telling her not to give the child away. And she is going to go to the adoption agency to give him away. And then I thought it was quite a well done scene actually, uh, but it's the scene where she is there with the respective parents who are going to take this child from her when it's born. And I'm not a not a dad figure, you know. I don't want children particularly. I know I know Emma doesn't, so that's not in our future. Just pe- just pets, <laughs> but you know, it was still quite a, a moment really that she wants to keep this child. I always yeah. kind of like those moments in film and TV. Yeah, it's. I think that's quite an effective scene, uh, and like we, we've had the the whole psychic um, flashbacks earlier in the episode, but I think the the pen not working twice is a really nice touch. Uh, I think absolutely. That, I think that gets across like the if we're going for this fate angle, I think that gets it across better than you know the psychic saying you have to get on this plane. Um, it's, it's just I, I think I thought it was a really elegant way of doing it. You know, the pen doesn't work, so she can't. I, I completely agree. I I completely agree. Do you you think it's just, it's something I've written down. I didn't know whether to bring up or not, but obviously the fate and the supernatural aren't necessarily the same thing, but do you, I feel like they're trying to tie the two together at this point. Cause like you've just said that the pen not working twice Mm. that you could consider that an act of fate, but at the same time, the, the way the show is presented, it feels almost that's supernatural in a way that can't be right. Yeah. And it yeah. just always feels like they're trying to tie the two together at this point. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. Definitely. Um, just as you say, by by the nature of the whole show, um, especially considering you know where it ends up with with the the, the candidates, let's say um, for the for uh, Jacob's candidates, you know, you could very easily yeah. make that connection. I think. I've just I've just realised something on my notes, so. The couple that, so Claire is at the adoption agency in Australia, where she lives. Is that is that right? Yes. Okay. So does she go to see them and then go back to um, Russian president? Because he says, "Oh, you must take the child to this really nice couple in LA," and it's just tweaked that. We might be jumping way ahead here and could be messing around with in terms of time, the timeline, but uh, Jack and Kate. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, 
Stop. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. No, I think what happens is, so she sees him once the first time and he's a bit weird. Goes for another reading. Says he must. she must raise the baby. Goes to the meeting with the potential parents. Says, mm. I can't do this. Then goes back to him again. There's a lot of to in and fro in. He offers her money. He offers That's her money. Right. And he said, That's take right. four... Is it four thousand dollars now, and you get six thousand dollars in LA? You have to go yeah. tonight because there's a really nice couple in LA. They're they're great. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, and yeah, oh, and that's where, and that's where like the supernatural and the fate come because he's like, you've got to go on this flight. Yeah, you've yeah. got to go yeah. on this on flight eight one five. You've got to go on this one. I mean, if they didn't, obviously they, they, of course, they probably didn't originally plan it to be Jack and Kate, but retroactively. Yeah, I mean, the guy could have been looking for I'm buying that. Show I'm and... going with that. You've said it, Scott. I'm going with it. Because <laughs> we're, t- we're talking like, a, you know, like a, a couple of years, aren't we, ahead? Um, Season four, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how old Aaron would have been by the show's end. But, yeah. So And obviously, we know what happens with him. We know, we know what happens with Aaron. So mm. that's the baby, if anyone's listening doesn't know. But, um, yeah, that <laughs> seems... Seems pretty coincidental. Or, or, or depending on where you're listening, Aaron, because that happens a lot in the show. Oh <laughs> fuck yeah, because she's Australian. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've noticed on our dashboard of listening that there are some Australian listeners randomly. But hello oh, okay. to Australia. So Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> There's also some German people. So I'd probably <laughs> imagine Aaron. <laughs> and United States. I don't know. Depends on what you. region you're from, I guess, in, in America. We'll just we'll just say Aaron for now. <laughs> but yeah. So I think I think that's kind of like the the end of the flashbacks for her. She gets offered the money. She's gotta go on eight one five. There's no option. They're waiting for her at this on this flight. Um and that the psychic says, you know, they're not strange. I've got it written down, they're not strangers, they are good people. Mm. And she finds it suspicious, but she accepts. Mm-hmm. And that's her segue into being on the flight. Yeah, that's a little strange, though, that she she gets on the flight even though she's just decided to keep the baby. I think she wants. Yeah, that's. I yeah, think she was obviously scared into it maybe by the guy, and then he's offered her money. So maybe because yeah, she's a bit joke. young and naive, she's realised. What is it? Money is the root of all evil. Maybe I don't know. It's Obviously, a bit of a nose thing to be going for, though, because Claire's so lovely. We haven't got to. Uh, do we actually see her boarding the plane? No, not yet. Uh, no, not yet, not yet. But I mean, do we? That's the thing, because there must be something else that happens between her leaving um, the psychic's house and getting the plane, because clearly she obviously she wants to keep the baby, as far as we know, and then all of a sudden she goes mm. to. 815, so well, who knows? Who knows? Oh dear. It's all going Pete Tong. But if the Jack and Kate thing, if that is. I so want to believe that. I so want that to be a thing. But that means the psychic has said that there's a good cop in LA, but they wouldn't have been together at that point. So No. But also, that would mean that if the psychic was true, if he was right about everything, then he was somehow in on Jacob's overall plan, which is going way ahead into the series. Yeah. So they're playing with timelines, potentially playing with the fate thing, playing with 
destiny. I think you can, you can you can still call it destiny, and you can still call it fate. You know, those those you can shift those within the script. But I think to build it up in these first two or three seasons, that's a very valid point to make easily. Yeah, I think yeah. you could very much say that. Oh, I just want that to be real. I might Instagram Lindelof later. Nah. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> is this real? <laughs> and knowing him, he'd be like sat there and he'd just be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, fine, yeah if, that, if that's what you think I wrote, sure, why not? <laughs> right, so we'll skip ahead to the island events. So on the island, we're on, uh, I checked this out on Lostopedia, day 15. October 6, 2004. Again, I can't remember this ever being mentioned in the show, but, you know, I'm, I'm assuming people have just counted from when they crashed onwards because I think they do mention it in the in the pilot episode. But Claire's having nightmares, screaming and waking up. And the first one is she's no longer pregnant and she finds jo- John... Mr. Locke playing cards at the table, so we've got the symbolism in. And are his eyes white and black? Yes, they are. Um, yeah. Which I thought was a lovely little horror-ish moment. Mm. Very creepy, but very cool. Yeah, like that, that opening scene is quite... Yeah. Baby, baby's crying in places got- where they shouldn't be. Just always gives me the shivers. I don't like it. <laughs> it's like... That, that oh, yeah. reminded me of um, the Blair Witch um, whenever they, they hear a baby crying in the in the woods and it's like, no, no it creeps me out. I don't like it. Um, so, yeah, that, that... I, I, watched the 30, I watched the 35 mil print of Blair Witch in, um, at uni Oof. and even though I'd seen it millions of times, I was watching it in an actual... Because when I, where I went to uni, they actually had a, a, a cinema um, in the basement <laughs> and... Um, that's where I did all my lectures because I was a nerd and that's where they put the nerds. And uh, yeah, it, it scared the shit out of me, even though I'd seen it before. So watching it on 35mm with all that sound in a proper cinema was terrifying. I agree. Babies. I'm always freaked out by like the train spotting baby too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the one that sticks in my mind the most. Yeah. It's it, like, it's, it's a very, um, uh, Imagery wise, it's it's very evocative, and then she finds the uh, like the cut in the middle of the uh, the yep. the forest as well, and then she puts her hands in, and it, it's there's like blood in it, which is yep and horrible, and it's all it's all to do with I guess her uh, well, she didn't give him away in the end, but you know her guilt that maybe thinking about giving him away. Yeah, but Locke in the flashback, I've written it down. He's got he's got that wonderful line where he says he was your responsibility, but you gave him away. Everyone pays the price now. It's very ambiguous. You, you know, you kind of know what he's alluding to. But when he says everyone pays the price now, well, what are they paying the price for? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love that it's Locke as well because he's the man of the island. Really, we've established that in the previous episodes. He is obviously the one that would say that <laughs> something yeah. that. That symbolic, that um, that that big, really. Um, what's the significance but, again? Sorry, it's already asking about, about yeah, go on. later episodes. But what's the significance of Aaron? Isn't he meant to be important as well? Yeah, he um, he was one of the original survivors mm-hmm. when they do the ocean uh, they do the oceanic six storyline 
Um, and I believe I can't fully remember, but I think the significance of it is that he doesn't have to come back to the island because he's been through enough because he's a child. Okay. Okay. But but essentially, Jack and Kate adopt him. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I thought maybe he was like another, um, like another special child, like Walt was supposed to be. Again, I could be misremembering. I think that's the implication, given that he is, um, because the whole thing with the others is that no, that uh, no child can be born on the island. I think, and Aaron is, so uh, that's why they that's why they're after Kate. Okay, yes, that's what it is. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Not Kate. Sorry, Claire. Claire. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Not yeah. Kate. Claire. Um, so they think he's special in that sense because all the children for an X amount of time have, have, have passed away mm-hmm. at birth for reasons. <laughs> I'm not sure what those reasons are, but for reasons. So we will just move on quickly. So yes, she's pool of blood in the car. It's a very freaky moment. And then when she wakes up, she's dug her nails into her palms, which just the thought of that is horrible. <laughs> Um, and then in the second dream, she it's the injection into a stomach, which I always again it's a it's a very horror orientated episode. This actually yeah. it's very well done as well. But the second dream, someone's holding her down and injecting something into a stomach. Well, on the first when she went to the first dream, she's screaming and it's like blood curdling, screaming. Charlie's there like. Shaking us, and it's all right. And she's just like screaming right in his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's um. I don't know if anyone felt the same, but she she'd make a good screen queen in a horror film. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, I, and I told, and I, I don't know why, but I totally thought, I, and I don't know if y'all have watched this, but uh, obviously Twin Peaks Return, but the very last moment of Twin Peaks Return. I think Cheryl Lee is just the best scream queen ever, but it, that that felt like it was up there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's that scream at Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, that was bloody horrible. <laughs> that's the best one ever. Yeah. I will hands down go to the grave saying that will never ever be beaten. Hmm. Even Carmen yeah. is surprised by it. He's like, oh fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> what year is this? Yeah. It's just the it's just when the lights go out and oh scares the shit out of me anyway um but yeah so with these two dreams obviously you've got the symbolism in the first one with lock and the the white and the black eye obviously the the crib and the blood is the child going to survive i guess is the question and then in the second one it's not so much horror tinged but it's 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 unusual what he's being injected into her why and because she shows no visible wound and yet she's claiming someone was here, someone held me down, someone did this to me. So you're starting to think, again, a bit with Russo, similar to Russo, sorry. What is this island doing to people? Everyone's starting to not get sleep. They might not be eating what they need to be eating. What, what is warping their minds slightly? You've got all these questions going through your mind. Uh, but this, which leads neatly onto what John mentioned earlier on, uh, Claire's attack persuades Hurley to take a census of all the survivors. 
to see who actually resides on the island. Mm-hmm. Quite clever, actually. For, well, yeah. both for Hurley and in terms, in terms of writing, it's, it's a very smart little just plot you can put in there just to kind of um, just find the the they need doing the haystack effectively. It's quite good. Yeah, it's very clever, isn't it? And and it's it's that thing of uh, it. It's exposition without feeling too exposed, if that makes sense. Yeah, true. It's, it, it's like it, it's kind of on the nose, but it doesn't feel like it's on the nose. No, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's very clever. Logical sense that, um, yeah. that they would do something. Like, what was the reason for starting the census again? I can't remember. I think it's basically because Claire is claiming she's been attacked. And the oh yes, the yeah. theory is the theory is obviously some. It must be some at that point. The survivors think it must be someone within the group that's doing it. If if she's being truthful or if she's really that worried, so yeah. Haley says, "I'll find out everyone's name." And then yeah. if it, I'm assuming he's he's thinking if it keeps happening, we can kind of narrow it down. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought I might be wrong, but I thought it's because he he makes some comment to. Maybe Jack and says, "Oh look, we're all living here. We don't know who we all are." And he says something like, um, "I've been told to find some guys called Scott and Steve." And he says, "Who the hell is Scott and Steve?" <laughs> oh, is that the Scott and Steve joke? Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah, I think you might be right. Actually, I, I but... think he's got he's got the um, he's got like the he's got good basis of reasoning to do it because of what's going on with Claire. But I'm I'm pretty sure he says something like, Oh, you know, well we I don't think know right. we don't know each other and so it's best to be just get get to know one another a bit better. No like reason for travelling to Yeah, and he um, says as well because of uh, he he's got the manifest because of when they burnt the fuselage, um they've got all the names of the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and Lock uh, Lock Lock. Sawyer very, very, very uh, nicely <laughs> says Hurley can have it <laughs> just by asking yes, nicely. <laughs> Is that where Hurley says, "I'm going to level with you. Give it me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or I'll, like I'll kick your ass. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay." He call in his very sawyer way. He cracks a wise at him with a, a horrible like nickname, but in a loving way because he's Sawyer, but <laughs> I do like that moment actually. Just like, yep, yeah, all right, it's yours. <laughs> sure, why not? Don't give him any objection whatsoever. Um so yeah, Hurley's taking his census and whilst he's conducting his census, he talks to Mr. Ethan, as we've explained in the previous episode, uh who I thought seemed a bit concerned about, you know, giving his information up. You know, he seemed a bit unusual about it. He definitely know why. Like he made up his name on the spot almost. Hmm. Yeah, it didn't feel very natural, did it? No. And given no. that we know that um, uh, just from the previous episode, he's just turned out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, he, and he's been hanging around with Locke and being a bit sort of evasive you know um yeah but i i still think that you don't think anything's wrong in a do you know what i mean like you don't think that he's at this point you still don't think he is and part of the group but oh, then okay. at the same time at the same time you think okay so he's a, he's a second episode running where he's kind of featured prominently and other characters haven't who are background characters if that makes sense, yeah, I kind of rambled to, there. 
he has scenes, doesn't he? He doesn't just yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has dialogue with the main characters. He must be of some importance. Yeah. But you don't think like that when you see it. You just think, oh yeah, he was in last week, and yeah. Scott and Steve were in last week too, and Sullivan was there, and oh the, yeah, they must be come. They come together. That's right. So, yeah, so Haley's conducting his census and Jack's suggesting that Claire's imagined the attack and offers a sedative. Cracking doctor advice there. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> rightly so, Claire becomes upset that, you know, he don't believe her before they even realise that they're having a sibling rivalry. Um, and she stubbornly decides to leave the caves and move back to the beach. If I'm right, yeah, 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 no, but and Charlie follows after her just to, to try and convince her otherwise, I think, or just to try and calm her down. And then that's when she's that is correct. And just before we get to Charlie as well, uh, I don't think we have much of a Shannon watch this week. Uh, yes, we do. Um, oh, do we? We do, unless John has it because it's his thing. Oh, uh, it's his thing, but all, all I'll say just before you say anything is that Boone is the one who tells Hurley that Sawyer has the flight manifest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. But I'll let jo- I'll let John go ahead with the Sawyer, oh. uh, not the Sawyer, the Shannon watch. I don't, I actually don't have anything, so it's, it's all yours, Scott. It's okay. It's it's very it's, yours. it's very minor because <laughs> I had one for the previous episode. Um, so uh, she doesn't say anything in the last episode really of, of, of significance but I've put my notes as um, Shannon watch skimpy bikini um, and okay. quote unquote character development um, that's all I've got for that one <laughs> and then this episode uh, Shannon watch <laughs> I, put, I put Shannon apathetic but then <laughs> she mentions rape caves and I and I made a slight chuckle <laughs> it's when uh, Claire says she, you know, she was attacked, and then Shannon's like, "I don't know, I don't want to live in a rape case." <laughs> oh, okay, she she made me laugh. I know it's a horrible thing to laugh at, but it's just the delivery no, agree, it's quality. It's very two thousand. It's very two thousand and four or five. You probably wouldn't be able to say that nowadays, but no. oh no, I mean, you might be able to, but yeah, I know what you mean. But she didn't do mean. herself badly. Put it that way. She just did. She did nothing, uh, and in the last episode, and she made a slightly laughable comment in in this one but that was it. okay so for anyone listening this week on shannon watch episode nine and ten she does good basically she's okay she does all right and that's does purely right. because she's not in it really that much <laughs> points for the skimpy bikini so always <laughs> just sunbathing that's what she pretty much does that's all she does for the first like 10 12 episodes for, anyway. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's basically all she does um so we've got past Sawyer giving the flight manifest to Hurley without objection. So Charlie tries, like like John's already said, uh, Charlie uh, tries to help Claire back to the beach and she starts having contractions. Oh my God, we're going to have a baby in the jungle. What do we do? Charlie's like, I can deliver the baby. I could do this. But then I, I quite liked it that he has that moment where he kind of reve- he reveals he's a drug addict or a recovering drug addict anyway. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like really he's kind of... in the jungle and he just, he just blurts out everything. Yeah. yeah it's, he's, it's, like, it's, she's, he's like, I'm a recovering drug addict. You're a what? <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> yeah. 
I think Don Monaghan's really good with like physical comedy. It's just a, kind of how he holds his hands up to her and says, let me explain. <laughs> Give me a minute. Because <laughs> he clearly loves her. I mean, that's for sure. That's one of the, that's kind of like the Romeo and Juliet of the first season, really, is that, you, you know, straight away, these are the two that are going to be together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you know, he cares about her, and you know, she cares about him, even though she's about to give birth, or you think she's about to give birth. But yeah, and this episode that also has Charlie. Uh, I think it's this episode, or maybe maybe the previous one, where um, you know he sort of admits that he's going to be there for her. Like he doesn't say it in as many words, but he's like, "Will you be my girlfriend?" Um, that sort of thing. Yeah, he does. He professes how much he cares for her. Um, yeah. Actually, I quite like that scene. The two scenes, I think, where I think it's at the end, and when they're in the jungle talking, um, and they have that that lovely Gentino score comes in. It's all very nice, and I thought, oh, Charlie's such a bloody lovely bloke. <laughs> I just want to give him a big hug. <laughs> That's kind of my response to like people, like men and women on screen who, like, you know, I really like. It's just like when you, you know, he's a bit broken. And you just kind of want to give him a big hug and say it's okay. <laughs> yeah, he's got like you know he's got that victim card thing there as well. But oh, definitely, you know, yeah. But inherently, he's just a really, just a really decent, decent guy. And I think that just shines through because half the time, I'll be honest. Like after I started watching it, I was like, oh yeah, he he was a drug addict, and that, and that's 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 like the tip of the iceberg in terms of his character. It really is so. Definitely. Um, yeah, his his core his core character trait is that he's just a really caring guy. So, yeah, I love their moments. Yeah, yeah, and I know we said last week that you know all these characters have aspects of um, anti heroism. I guess is the is the word. I wouldn't say villainy. I know I said that last week, but you know they're all caring at the heart, and he's definitely the main one. I think. Well, probably here, like, uh, yeah, between the two uh, of them, yeah, between the two of them, definitely. Um, it's Charlie and Hurley who are the ones who give a shit the most really or who care about people uh being happy so they're in the jungle isolated alone having a bit of a having a bit of domestic even though they're not technically together and she's about potentially to give birth (laughs) and then there's that really creepy moment where oh wait no not quite yet charlie finds ethan not yet charlie finds ethan and tells him to go get Jack. No, not him. <laughs> the one person you shouldn't no. ask to get Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Should never ask to get Jack. <laughs> uh, Charlie goes back and doesn't she tell him the story about the psychic? Yes, because we get the last flashback at that point, don't we? That's oh. where the last flashback is, yeah. Yeah. So we've got obviously that synergy between the flashback and what's happening on the island, like we've always said so far. There's that wonderful synergy between flashback, what the events on the island. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I guess that's good character development for both characters on the island because that just brings them closer together. That that event, that inevitability of them being a, a couple, like the show's couple almost. I know you've got Kate and Jack and Sawyer, but that's more the love triangle, whereas Charlie and Claire are just perfect. They're always going to be the couple. Um, also, I think at that moment, Charlie accidentally let slip to Claire that he was a druggie. Yes, he does. 
and there's not much they don't linger on it much but i was like oh, okay so he's he's but that's the first person he's actually even though it might not have been it, it might not have been without much thought but it's the first time he's actually told someone from you know straight from his own mouth he said you know i have a drug problem he's not done it to anyone else yet they've just mm. found him using and that's it so i think that's a great bit of development for the two for the you know for their relationship mm. yeah definitely I think it, I think it, I think what this show does really well is it's almost like it's almost like when you're at work you kind of follow up on things. So even though Charlie's episode was how we well in the in the chronology of the show we've been talking about it, it's what two or maybe even three episodes ago, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it still follows up with little through lines. So you know just to kind of go you know, to kind of remind you, but also it just makes sense. It just makes sense that they'd mention it. Yeah. And and you've got that, you've got that knowledge in your head that, yeah, he is a recovering addict. He would say that. It's not like you're going in blind and like, oh, wait, he's a drug addict. Why have they never mentioned that before? Especially You you fully... Yeah. Sorry, go on. I'm saying, especially with Claire, who is meant to be the most closest to you you know absolutely it would never be a one done he would have to have that conversation with her and discuss it at some point no matter how much it uh, how however it manifests that would need to happen so yeah definitely definitely um so i've got written down charlie reckons as well we've we've mentioned or discussed anyway that the psychic knew that 815 was going to crash and that that was his his way of essentially forcing Claire to raise the baby herself. Mm-hmm. That was his way of saying, you know, you can't give it away. This is how you're going to do it. And I think she does a bit of rejection to that. You know, there's a bit of a, not a scrap, but you know, she she thinks she can't do it. And then, and correct me if I'm completely wrong, guys, but just at that moment, a, a very badly wounded Saeed turns up <laughs> and starts talking about the French French lady, Mister yeah. Miss Danielle. Yeah. And the other people live on the island. He's heard the whispers. Um, and there's other people besides the plane survivors on the island. Uh, I, I I made a note that Locke um, is not featured really in this episode, apart from Claire's uh, little moment. Um, but he kind of just looks on from the shadows with his arms crossed, like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. that's that's that sounds right." Sit down. Yeah, it's just like you know, like, every, everyone's everyone's tripping balls, and he's just like, "Sounds about right." <laughs> it's just sort of skulking in the background. It's like, "Oh, okay, well, everybody's up to the same speed as me now." <laughs> I've seen the smoke monster. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, I don't know the smoke monster. That's right. It's just, but it's just kind of like na 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 na. Yeah, it took took you long enough. Come on, guys, we're we're only two weeks onto this island. How come you've not known about the smoke monster yet? And th- there's whispers on the island and shit like that. Yeah. yeah so and when, when, but oh, sorry, sorry, go on, John. No, no, it's just uh, like yeah, Saeed sort of busts in and gives them all the the information that he has before he. I think he passes out, but before like Jack can do anything, isn't that when Hurley comes in with all with his bad news? Yes. 
yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. gonna say I was gonna say it's kind of like a double whammy of everything. It's yeah. it's a wonderful crescendo of an episode, really, where basically like three storylines come together all at once. Mm. So Saeed's obviously returned. You've got uh, Claire and Charlie in the jungle, and then Haley comes along with his census and throw slap bang. This is probably as well. We should make a note. Probably. I can't really think off the top of my head from what we've discussed before, but one of the first, if not the first twist ending maybe of the show. Uh, But Hurley reveals that one of the survivors is not on the flight manifest, which obviously say uh, means someone was already there. Claire's contractions conveniently stop. And then, and then we get to the creepy moment I was about to mention where you've got the cruiser's cousin looking upon Claire and Charlie very ominously, mm. which I, again, it, it feeds into the, it, it's such a weird episode, this tonally, but it just feeds into the, the horror vibe that it brings. It's, it's very peculiar. Yeah, I find. Yeah. No, it's yeah. a, it's a, it is a very creepy ending. It just like, it lingers on him just staring at her for a long, long time. Yeah. He got dead and, out, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where they do the, the, the smash cut to the you know the title the title and the black. Yeah. Is yeah, that right? Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's your typical lost ending. Hmm. But yeah, he's he I think he's such a good actor. I know he's he's a he's a bit actor and he's mm-hmm. he's popped up in tons of stuff. Um some of his cousins things as well. Uh but it, <laughs> he's 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 a bit like uh, Sean Bean. Or John Hurt, for example, he he often dies in in what he's been in. <laughs> but I yeah. just think in this, especially, yeah. he's very um, very reserved. And then, because all you've seen him in these two episodes is be just kind natured. He hunts with Locke. You assume he's a nice guy, yeah. and then you just see that, like you say, that dead eye, that that look on his face, and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> And I think for me as well, I remember watching this when it first aired and just thinking, okay, this is this is a different show now. This was the moment where I thought this has gone from little bits of squabbling and uh, people's flashbacks and kind of understanding who they are. And now we are firmly in monster territory and who the bloody hell is this guy? Mm. Yeah. I mean, firmly. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really good ending. Yeah. Um, as you say, I think it is the first cliffhanger, and it's it, it's it's one of the best, I would say. You know, I, I love Ethan as a character. I know he was um, within the present tense of the um, of the narrative. He wasn't he wasn't long for it, so to speak. I know he mm-hmm. pops up in the in the flashbacks a bit further down the line, and to an extent, the time travel. But um, oh, yeah, man. I think he's a great character. He pops up, sorry, jump really far ahead, but isn't he in the? Isn't he like the doctor when Claire's delivering her baby in the Flash Sideways? Oh, correct. Uh, oh, wow. I remember, yeah. <laughs> and he's also um, just to jump it, not so further forward because <laughs> you've you've gone to right to season six, yeah. but <laughs> I think season five when the time travel starts. He is the son of Horace Goodspeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who was one of the original Dharma um, people. That's right. Oh, wow. 
it's, it's and... also in um oh sorry this you might be about to say this one um Go on. it, it's the start of it's it's the opening scene of like the first episode of a, of a season where we like we've met the others and we see their their like camp basically and they see the plane break up in the air and ben yep. you know he says to two guys it's like i think one of them we haven't seen before it's like you go to the tail section you and the camera pans around and it's ethan go to the the mid section yep. it's just one of those really cool wee easter eggs that are just like oh that's brilliant yeah <laughs> yep that is the start that's the start of season three and that is ethan and that is goodwin who okay. is appears in season who appears in season two all right okay cool, cool, yeah cool. that is right but yeah i was gonna say i forgot what i was gonna say uh horace yeah he's the son of horace goodspeed who is featured heavily in season five when they're doing the whole try and travel stuff for a bit of trivia for anyone he is uh i forgot his name in x files shit he's one of the scariest villains in x files hold on it's gonna do in my head in if i don't find out tombs tombs Oh, oh really? Shit. Okay. Um, Jesus, <sighs> Doug Hutchinson. Doug Hutchinson. Yeah. He's in Sh- uh, Shawshank. Shawshank too. Yeah, yeah. He's a. Um, he... Who is he? Um, Tombs, isn't he? In X Files. Yeah, he's Tombs. Tombs in X Files. He stretches out and he's yeah, a little sweet. freaky villain. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's him <laughs> with the, with the long hair, and he's the father of uh, Ethan. Jesus, I'm I'm just trying to picture his. Yeah, I remember with the long hair, but I, yeah, didn't even yeah. realize it was that actor. Yeah, it's him because he's got he's got obviously it's clearly a wig, but he's got the glasses too, so it kind of you don't get the it obstructs his his face basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, imagine him with short hair, no glasses, very demented eyes, and he can stretch through a chimney. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say as well, just as a bit of trivia for the character of Ethan as well, he is also. Just to link into the uh, the episode itself, and and Aaron or Aaron as a character, uh, Ethan is one of the only people actually born on the island, which I think you later find out. Okay. So it's just again that idea that they were planning ahead. Maybe they had that <laughs> idea, even if it it doesn't really pertain to anything. It's just a more of a side note, but he's still you know it's still quite a big deal that he you know given everything that's happening he was born on the island okay well that's cool jesus yeah so wow we've had a a bit of a trivia week haven't we yeah i think because it's getting into that mythology now it's obviously prompted us to to, to talk more further down the line because it's Mm. it's throwing us into that 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 um you know as we said the um the more mysterious things about the about the show now so no i think it's just absolutely absolutely so that is the end of Raised by Another, episode 10 of Lost. bit more trivia that I've, I found out. So Emily de Raven, or Raven, sorry, who, however we're going to pronounce it, originally auditioned for our absolute favorite character ever, Shannon. <laughs> um, she, she spoke her dialogue with an American accent. And instead, they offered her the part of Claire without uh, accepting the script, uh, without reading the script. Um, and that is really all I got. I just thought it was quite amusing. Good, good decision. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good decision indeed. Uh, but other than that, that is really it for this episode. So obviously, all you've got is the reveal of Ethan 
the first big mytho- uh, cliffhanger, first big mythology cliffhanger. And going into next week, we'll have ele- episodes eleven and yeah, eleven and twelve, which are one of my favorite episodes ever. All the best cowboys have daddy issues, and whatever the case may be. Uh, we're halfway through at that point, are we not? Hmm. Oh, sorry? Uh, are we halfway through at that point? I think episode 12 or... Uh, first uh, yes, we will be. Okay. Technically, okay. the finale of this season is is three parts, but the, the la- part two is kind of a big episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, we will be halfway through the season as of the end of next week. Very good. Very good indeed. Right. Thank you for anyone who's been listening, and thank you, Scott and John, as always. Thank you. Thank you much. Stay safe, everybody, and I will speak to you next week. Yep. Thank you.